0: What I am doing, I did last week and I'm doing this week, uh, I am doing teaching and we're doing a lot of uh, word descriptions, def- definitions in the Hebrew. Now last week we did word definitions in the Greek. This week we're going to do a lot of definitions in the Hebrew, And the reason I'm doing this is we are going to Isaiah, we're going to have it come up, Isaiah 61, verse 1, should come up, and I'm going to read this to you, and this is the same scripture that Jesus... Uh, Actually quoted in Luke four verses seventeen through twenty one. He he did this, and when I read this in just a moment, when I read to you last week was he quoted Luke or Luke? I'm sorry, Isaiah sixty one and one in Luke four seventeen through twenty one. And after Jesus was done actually reading this, he closed the book of Isaiah and he handed it to the ministry. So he handed the the uh, Job of preaching this particular scripture all scripture But this particular one is one we're talking about tonight to the ministry the ministry is anyone who ministers the word of God So we're taking the time for you to understand not only what Jesus said in Luke 4 but why he was reading it out of Isaiah, and we're going to look at the different word meanings. I, Isaiah sixty one and one. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me, unless the amplified version will be a little different, but I'm glad you put it that way. Qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the phys- physical or excuse me, to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound all right now that's what jesus did one of the first things at the beginning of his ministry was he proclaimed this he shut the book of isaiah handed it to the ministry and he said to everybody from that time forward until the rapture of the church now it's in your hands to do this that's what he's saying. So with that in mind, I want to I go down through here because we are talking about deliverance. We're talking about the ministry of deliverance. It's vital to understand what we are, who we are, and how this works. Now, looking at this, to proclaim liberty to the captives. The word proclaim means to call out, to address by name. To address by name. When a person needs deliverance, it is right and proper to call out the thing that they need to be delivered from. If that person has an addiction, has a lying spirit, has a stealing spirit, Whatever it may be, it is proper and right to call out, to proclaim, to call it by name. We are too afraid to call out what the problem is. Thus the devil thinks that he has kept it hidden from us. But, when you go up and I realize that when you 're talking to someone brand new you don 't if God gives you uh, that that discerning of the spirit that you 're de- dealing with that it 's hard to do that sometimes, and sometimes you have to use a little bit of wisdom when you do it you say would you I, i'd like to see you delivered in their ear from this, and if they are okay with that, then you just look at it right in the eye and you say i I proclaim deliverance of whatever that may be." To that person. Listen, folks, every one of us has been delivered from sub, from problems. Every one of us has had things that needed to be called out over us. Every one of us, even if we've been in church for a while, can have a tendency to go back to some of those things and we need to be delivered all over again. Do not ever believe that I want to make it to heaven. I want to be free from the bondage of the devil. And I need someone to say, hey, you've got a problem in this area. Let's call it out and let's get rid of it. Let's give him a hand clap of praise and adoration. And the way this is done, let's just take that a little bit further. Proclaim, to call out, to address by name. It also means to encounter... With the idea of accosting someone, you ma- now, now you think of this, how the Bible says to do this, how Jesus said to do this, that I would go up and accost this person. I mean, can you imagine me going up here, poor old Louis? Louis's got a cigarette problem. I hope you don't, but I'm just saying, that. you know, I hope you don't. Okay. <laughs> he got this, he's got this problem, and I go up and I cost him. I grabbed him and said, Lily, we're going to get free of this right now. And I call it out by name. Do you realize, now, now think about what I'm saying here. What does that do? Think about this. What does that do? If I'm to come up, and, and, and you really want to be free of your problem, you really want to be free. I come up and call it out. God showed it to me. I call it out and I accost him. I mean, not really grab him and throw him down and wrestle him around. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about just coming up right in his face and saying, you want to be free of this thing? 99% of the time what you do is you scare faith into that person say what you want, but that's exactly what you do. You go up to that person and say, I love you enough, and I'm going to accost you. We're going to get free of this. You're tired of being the kind of messenger, and you're tired of constantly battling this thing over and over and over again. In Jesus' name, be delivered from this problem. You literally go up and accost that person. You can't do that to every sinner. I know that. But I'm saying that this is a biblical way. We live in such a society today that you've got to be careful about everything you do say or even if you touch someone, you can get you for battery. But on the other side of it, if you've got somebody who really wants to be set free, you go to that person and you let them know, look, God knows all about this. It's time to get some faith in you and quit falling for that same stinking lousy trap that you have fell for for years and years and years. Over and over and over again, we see people backsliding, going back to the same mess. It's about time some of them get accosted a little bit and be called out for what the problem really is. So he said, go, proclaim or to accost that person. Call it by name. Now, liberty, to proclaim liberty. What is liberty? Freedom, spontaneity of outflow from the root word which means to move rapidly do you realize that as long as you are captive you can't move you're stuck how many can remember? How many can really remember your life before the Holy Ghost and realize that you were just stuck in the same old place and you, no matter where you went, what you tried to do, how much you tried to get out of this mess, you still was in the same rut. You never realized what it was like to move forward until God freed you. You can move forward when you get liberty. And if you're in here and you're back in that same mess, you can still get liberty because the Holy Ghost can set you free. Listen to what I have to say tonight because I believe God is trying to break some of you free before this revival so that you can go out and be and do what you need to in order to see people saved. (sighs) To proclaim liberty to the captives, captives, exiled, Captured from the word in in Strong 76, 28, to transport into captivity. That's what the devil has had, and he's transported us into captivity for years. So what are captives? Captives, in Strong's 164, is a prisoner of war. What we are in is a war. Spiritual warfare is mentioned many times in the Bible. And we are in that. And what he says here is it's a prisoner of war, uh, which means taken by the spear. In other words, taken by force, forced to live in captivity by the devil. A person that thinks they're free by being able to live however the world dictates to them is still in captivity. Listen, just be honest with yourself. Every time the devil tries to pull you back into that mess that you once were in, can you not remember the, the, the captivity and how you were locked into one addiction or locked into something else or locked into lying, locked into stealing, locked into lust, whatever it may be, you were locked in. And no matter how much freedom everybody said you had, you didn't have any at all. The only time you're free is when you're free from the pull of the world and free from the devil. That is the only true freedom that you have And Whenever the devil tries to pull you back, can you not remember, I will not allow the demons of hell to take me back by the power of the spear. I will not allow them to take me back. I know what freedom is. I enjoy my freedom. I can come to church and run the aisle. I can come to church and shout with joy. I can come to church and dance. I've got the power to be free. Praise God. Luke 21, verse 24. It's another aspect of this that's good. You got it? I know I give it to you. I never make mistakes. Luke 21, 24. You you didn't have it. It's right there on that little paper. It's not? It's not? Oh, there it is. I knew it was up there. Look at this. She put it in the Amplified. Uh, I want you, just a minute, uh, can you hold that one and go to the King James Version of that? I'm going to show them something on this. Okay. And they shall fall by the, look at this, edge of the sword. "...and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled." Now, notice this. This is talking about uh, Jerusalem. It's talking about the Jewish people. "...and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive." Why? Because they did not accept the resurrected Jesus. Okay? That's what they did. They did not accept. Now, look at this in the Amplified. Same verse of Scripture. Luke twenty-one twenty-four. 24. Look, as they will fall by the mouth and the edge of the sword." And will be led away as captives to to and among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles till the time the Gentiles are fulfilled or completed. Uh, We are actually living in the completed time of the Gentiles. Right now we are living in the interim period. We're living between the the, uh, law and grace. We're living in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because everything has really been fulfilled already. We're just waiting for the rapture. But I want you to notice this. That's not what I'm talking about. They will fall by the mouth of the sword. Look at that. Now... That is, I, I thought, one of the most interesting scriptures. Edge here meaning or can mean the mouth. Or, in other words, the threat of the sword. Just for, just for the sake of, uh, I, I'm just throwing this in, this is a little extra perk. This lets you know why the freedom of religion and the freedom to keep and bear arms run hand in hand. You don't have to shoot anybody, it's just a threat. Because even this says it. Just the threat is enough. Now, mouth, like unto a sword. We know that the word of God is likened unto a two-edged sword. If you'll note here, it says the edge or the mouth of the sword, that, that people will fall, or Jerusalem will fall, because they did not accept Jesus Christ. That's why Jerusalem fell into captivity. Look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and lead, and lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. I'll leave it up there. Our battle and what we fight with is similar inasmuch as We can listen to words that are spoken to us, and they can take our faith away. We can ponder on something that we've read, something that we've heard, something that we've seen. It goes into the mind. That's why he said the mouth of the sword is as strong as the edge of the sword. The edge or the mouth. Because people can use their mouth and cut us just as deeply or more so than if someone had hit me with the edge of a sword. That's why we have to be careful about what we hear. What we listen to, what we pay attention to. And this verse of scripture tells you, he said, we need to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That is that's why you don't you don't listen to it. But even if you somehow manage to get it up there, or someone says something, or you you pick up something in the airways, you've got to immediately take it into captivity, or it will take you into bondage. And the only way to fight that is through the Word of God. God's sword is two-edged. Now, I've heard it said one edge is to cut and one of is to heal. You know, that's, that's all fine and good for all you pacifists. I'm not that way. I think it's a two-edged sword because we have two sides to cut with. Are you hearing me? The devil's got one thing and one blunt side. And we're, we're going to blunt his sword. we got two-edged sword. Our our warfare will always be more powerful than what Satan's can ever possibly be. What we have as weapons are will always be more powerful because our sword is the Word of God that is already settled in heaven, and nothing can change it. This person out here with their ideas and their philosophies may change in a week and may change in a month or may change in a day, but God's Word is just the same and will always be the same. Now, leading captive, to bring under control, when we take captivity, and look at this again, and purpose away, excuse me, we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. We lead this, our purpose, what we do into obedience to obedience to Jesus Christ. We lead it captive. You, you see, we we are <clears throat> we have been taught wrong for so long. That's what I'm gonna I'm gonna title a message at taught wrong for so long. Yeah. I may I may just write me a song that way. I was taught wrong for so long. I'll get i get Brother Hill here to back me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. we we need to be taking some people captive. Okay, we need to. It's always the devil that's taking people captive. The Bible says we need to take our own thoughts captive. We need to go and accost somebody and let them know. Listen, this is the right way. This is the way you need to live. This is the way to have liberty. This is the way to have success. This is the way that God intended for man to live. Instead of, of going forth like we're some kind of little mealy mouth bunny rabbits. I know the Bible says we're sheep. But sheep's got horns. Need to butt a few people. Wouldn't hurt you a bit. So we lead it under control Every thought, a perception, purpose Into the obedience Attentive, hearkening, compliance Or submission of Christ In other words, I lead everything that's up here Into complete submission to Jesus Christ I can't do that by putting Every worldly object up here I can't do that by thinking Every nasty thought that comes along I can't do that by entertaining Things I need not entertain I can only do that if I keep myself and in, in my sword acquainted with one another. I have to be acquainted with the Word of God. I have to know the preaching of the Word of God. I've got to, I've got to retain, I've got to take it into my heart and not allow any of it to get away. Look at Romans 7.23. It's not going to come up there. I didn't have that one. But Paul said this. He said, There's another law warring against the law of my mind. Warring and strong is to attack, to make war against. So there is the war. Now in this case, he was talking about the war of his mind. His mind, his carnal mind, always wanted to do carnal things, but he said there's something else. There's another law in there, and that is the law of the Spirit that is warring against the carnal side. He was divided. He was fighting that battle. You've heard it talked about that recently. And he was constantly at war with this, but he wanted to give in to the law of the Spirit and not to the law of the carnal mind. He wanted, he said, I have to fight this. So he said to attack, to make war against the rule of action described by reason. This is what he was talking about, another law. The rule of action described by reason. The law of my mind leading captive me to the law of sin. The impulse to sin is inherent in human nature and emanating from the power of death. We got this when, when Adam and Eve fouled up in the garden. But the thing is that we got dominion back through Jesus Christ. We lost dominion in the garden. But we got dominion back in Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to have a chance to get to that that part of it tonight. But I probably will go into that part of it as well. Because we have got to. And we, we act like we haven't. We act like we're still living. Back in the, in, in the law era. That we're, we're still under some kind of bondage. When we have got the power that worketh in us. To go forth and call those things that are not as if they are. this law of sin that that Paul spoke of is contrasted with the impulse to right action. And that comes from the Spirit, according to Romans 8, verse 2. Now, let's, let's go a little further. Now, before I get to this, I don't want to have to come back and qualify something. I am not attacking the female race in any way. Don't even laugh when I say it. I'm giving you Scripture, and I'm going to give you a reason I have to give you this Scripture simply because it's Bible, and you need to hear it anyway. All right, And that's in 2 Timothy 3.6, 2 Timothy 3.6, amplified version. For among them are those who worm their way into homes. Now, this is talking about spiritual problems that worm their way into homes and captivate silly and weak-natured and spiritually dwarfed women. That says it all right there loaded down with the burden of their sins and easily swayed and led away by various evil desires and seductive impulses. Now, why is it that he said this? Paul told Timothy this. It wasn't because he was celibate and he didn't have a wife. But this, actually the words, let's look at this just for a moment. Uh, Women can be silly. Um, So can men. But we're talking about women, we'll talk about men another day. Let's look at some of this, to sink by implication, wrap on as a garment, figuratively to sneak into houses. This is the one that worms its way in. It's doubt, it's fears, it's demonic spirits who lie to you. That's what they're talking about here. They worm their way in. Thayer said this, to take captive's one mind or to captivate. And it comes in and begins to, uh, the lust begins to work. And I'm not talking about sexual lust, I'm talking about lust in general. I'm talking about lust for anything. You you get a lot of times in, in this sense, we've got to remember that women at this point was not educated at all. Yeah, they were to listen to what the husband said, and they were to do what the husband said. But the woman was still the man's wife, and she was loaded down. She, she didn't know what to do. She wanted this or she wanted that. And because this began to worm its way in, it began to take the man captive as well. That's why he called it silly women. And silly women uh, in the original uh, specifically means a wife, a foolish wife. Number, f- or number four, laden. In other words, piled up with sins. Led away, to induce, depart, to lead the inclinations by lust. A longing especially for that which is forbidden. Various in character or different sorts. Women have more to give up when it comes to serving God than men. That goes all the way back to the garden. And a, a, a woman carries a power on her head through her uncut hair. She carries that power. She can make or break a man or a ministry. And so the enemy comes in because a woman is a more emotional creature. And the enemy will come in and try to pull her away. You don't give your wife enough attention, she'll do something bad to you. Every man knows that. if you haven't figured that out yet, then come and see Brother Hill afterwards, and he'll tell you all about how to take care of it. So you've got to give them some attention, because it's an emotional need. It's nothing bad. It's an emotional need. You have to give them that. Some women are emotionally stunted. Some men are emotionally stunted. Some you have to give more attention to than others. And I'm not trying to get myself. I'm just telling you Scripture. I've got Bible for all I'm saying, so don't get mad at me. Okay? And they said it, gets, it, it creeps in and begins to work on people in this way. That's why, listen to me, ladies, that's why you can't allow anything to get up there. That's why you don't watch, watch soap operas. That's good preaching, isn't it? Those things aren't real. There's no guy who looks as good as those guys on there. You know that they've done something to them to make them look that good. So regardless, you, you you, you don't allow anything to creep into your mind that will cause you to be unhappy. You bring every thought into captivity. We're talking about deliverance. We're talking about how to stay delivered. Let's go on a little further. Recovering of sight to the blind. Now I said proclaim a little earlier, I told you about it, I'm going to bring this because it's proclaiming uh, the recovering of sight to the blind, it's the same as deliverance to the captives. But blind in Strong's means opaque, as if smoky, Uh, blind to wrap in a mist. Uh, From 5187 in Strong's, to envelop with smoke, translated high-minded, be lifted up with pride. Pride. To make blind figuratively to obscure. In the Greek lexicon, stupid, dull of apprehension. And Thayer's literally darkened by smoke. Literally darkened by smoke. So the recovering of the blind. In other words, to take the mist away. To take the smoke. It's not talking about blindness as we consider blindness. It's talking about lifting up the mist or the smoke or the shadow or the shade so that we can see clearly even Paul said now I see through a glass darkly it's lifting up it's being able to understand somewhere in your relationship with God sometime in your relationship with God you are going to have, not everybody instantly gets the mist relieved. Sometimes you, you you could see just a little, little further, but the, the mist or the smoke may still be there to some degree. That's why you need a second touch. That's why Jesus made mention to the man. He touched the man. He said, what do you see? The man said, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus gave him the second touch, which clarified his vision. A lot of times we, if we don't see clearly, we don't, we, we think there's something wrong with us. That, that we didn't get what we needed. Well, that doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily hold true. Not all of us are the same. Sometimes God has to do a little extra for some of us just to be able to, to clarify something. That's why it's so vital to, to read your, the, the Bible every day. It's so vital to be at church. It's so vital to be at cell group meetings so you can have the mist lifted away. That's what recovering of sight uh, to the blind means. Set at liberty, and them that are bruised. The opening of the prison to them that are bound. Opening means the opening of a dungeon, jail, or delivery. Set forth, set apart, send out. And refers to equipment and suggests official or authoritative sending. To send forth means an authority has sent forth someone. An authoritative sending. There is more power in a pastor, bishop, whatever, presbyter, whatever you want to call them. All of them actually, well, it's pastor is but bishop, presbyter, all of them is the same word. But when they send a person out, there's something that God recognizes. And if we can use the word mystical, there is a mystical thing that happens. God honors that because of what I'm just saying here. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, in position, in place, time, or state, by implication, instrumentality, deliverance, freedom, pardon, stresses complete forgiveness, not just suspension of punishment. When you see deliverance used in this term, he's not talking about just a suspending of a punishment. He is completely set free. Complete forgiveness. When God forgave you, He did not hold one bit of that back. He completely forgave you. Now, Thayer's, and using the same uh, term, release as from bondage or imprisonment, bound to yoke or hitch, by analogy to fasten in any sense, bruise, those that are bruised, to break, shatter, shattering to minute fragments, but not a reduction to the constituent parts. In other words... When the people that are bruised that we, try to, we preach deliverance to, these are people that are shattered. We don't deal with someone who's just broken. We deal with people that are shattered anymore. What you deal with goes far and beyond anything you have ever, probably most of you have ever dealt with, some of you older ones, have ever dealt with. There are young ones that are in here right now that came in completely shattered, didn't have a clue about what they were going to do. There are people in here that's been hooked on drugs by their own mothers. There are people in here now that we're dealing with and God can take care of them just like He takes care of us. Are you hearing me? Whatever it is we're delivered from, the same God, whether we're just broken or whether we're shattered, God can completely take care of it. Right. Right. Broken by a sharp blow calamity. And it goes on to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Acceptable is the Greek word dektos meaning approved, propitious. Propitious, favorably inclined or disposed, gracious, boding well, favorable, auspicious. That favors or furthers advantageous to receive, accept, to acceptable, boding well, favorable. Everything what he says that we are living in a favorable time. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. No matter what the world is, no matter how bad the job situation, regardless of whether you're working or whether you're not working, you're still living in a good time because Jesus is getting ready to come again. Jesus is getting ready to take us home. That's what we're all looking for. That's. What what we should be desiring that's what we should be praying for i want him to come even so come quickly lord jesus let's give him a hand clap of adoration and praise hallelujah i'm going to i want to touch on something just just for a moment um i said it, that i would uh, Talk a little bit about spiritual warfare just a little differently than, than what you are used to. Um, and I made mention of it before. I'm going to ask you to, you know, I know I haven't given you scripture, but if you would, while I'm talking, give me, uh, me 2 Corinthians 2.14, if you would. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now, in the garden, man was given dominion according to Genesis 1, through 28. Uh, dominion. That means God gave us what we need. Now look at this. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph. As trophies of Christ's victory and through us spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. Look at this. But thanks be to God who, who in Christ always leads us to triumph. No matter who, who we are, we are to triumph. Look at this. This is New Testament. We are triumphant. You are triumphant. No matter what your battle is, you can win. You may have to hurt a little bit. You may have to get over a few things. But you will win because Jesus Christ said you will win. And because you've got people sitting around you that have won, you can win as well. Do you believe that? If you believe you're a winner, I want you to give him a good hand clap of praise. Praise God. Dominion means to rule or power to rule. Sovereign authority or sovereignty. We have been given sovereignty. Okay? We were given that back in Genesis one twenty six. It comes from the root word dominate, which means to rule or control by superior power or influence. In the Hebrew, to subjugate. Subjugate, to bring under control or subjection, to conquer. To subdue, bring under complete subjection. In the Greek... For strength, might, more especially manifested power. In other words, if you have dominion, you've got manifested power. What's manifested power? That means I can make it work. Okay, I can make it work. I've got manifested power. Man forfeited his dominion by the sin of disobedience. Genesis 3. The mediatorship of Jesus Christ mediatorship means he stands between us and god in the in the form of a man the man christ jesus god in the flesh that's what that's speaking of in the old testament it was moses who was a mediator the old covenant in the new testament it's jesus christ he's the mediator of the new covenant but he reconciled that broken fellowship between god and man because he died on the cross laid down his life shed his blood he did that for us, and he regained dominion. And here we do what, we're, what we walk around like we're constantly under onslaught, and we can't do anything. Do you? Do you? Now I know it's not a garden of Eden. Our our power is in the spirit, not in the physical. We've got physical dominion, according to the scripture, but primarily, what I'm looking for is spiritual dominion. So you do not have to be beat on. You do not have to be kicked around. You do not have to be a doormat. I'm sorry if you don't like the way this is saying. If you somehow think that being a Christian means that you've got to be walked on by every devil that comes around, you're in the wrong place. The devil has no power, has nothing to do with me. And when he tries to come around by the power and the authority of the Word of God and the name of Jesus Christ, he can't stay there very long. He has absolutely no business in me. The only thing that you've got problems with is right up here, and that's what I talked about a little earlier. We've got to bring this into captivity and realize I've got dominion power through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the power of the cross, to tell the devil, to tell people, I will not be put under your rule or under your thumb. One thing to listen to, godly leadership. Something else to be dominated to by somebody who doesn't have a clue. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're not supposed to feel the Holy Ghost on Wednesdays, are you? (sighs) The reconciliation or the reposition, redeem man to exercise dominion. Now, this new dominion that I'm talking about, is not to be exercised in the natural dimension only, that we do have that, but also in the spiritual world. And you can read about that in Ephesians one twenty through 23, uh, and also Ephesians 2, 6, and 7. Now, the new realm of dominion is called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. We live in earth in the kingdom of God. When we go to heaven, we will live in the kingdom of heaven. When you see those terms used in the Bible, you'll see the kingdom of God, you see the kingdom of heaven. When I go to heaven, I'm living in the kingdom of heaven. When I live down here, I'm in the kingdom of God. Now, not everybody lives in the kingdom of God. Only those that have been born again of the water and the Spirit live in the kingdom of God. So this is what it's called. The application of this mediatorial process in the lives of the individual then is called the new birth. How do I apply what jesus did in his death burial and resurrection to me in order for me to have dominion and that is called the new birth and that is simply this repentance the blood removes the source of broken fellowship which is sin when i repented the blood removed that broken fellowship i don't know about you i remember that's why some people get confused because when you truly repent, you feel so good, you can't think you don't think you can feel any better. you really do, and so I think that's all I need to do, but you see, you can feel a whole lot even better than that. Don't settle for just one. you know think about it. Some of you drunks out there, you wouldn't settle for one drink, you'd drink till you had a buzz going, and then some people. You know, they come down here one time, a little repentant, and they could get a whole lot bigger buzz if you come down here about three times. Know, come on. All right, repentance. The blood removes the source of broken fellowship, which is sin. And water baptism. The name of Jesus restores our forfeited authority. You see, we lost authority in the Garden of Eden. And the only way to get authority back is to take the name of the one who has authority. Jesus is the one who has authority. So, we take back authority that we lost through the name in water baptism. Then there is spirit baptism. The indwelling of the spirit restores the original intimacy or fellowship with God and expands the power within man to extend into the spiritual realm. In other words, when I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I have not only restored, I restored spiritual fellowship, and it will also change this mortal body into one that is immortal at the coming of the Lord. I have to have that in order for that to happen. All right? So the sum of the three ingredients of reconciliation equals restored dominion. In other words, I don't have dominion until I have the sum of all three of them. The three necessary elements to have dominion are intimate fellowship... Authority and power, intimate fellowship, authority and power. I'm going to quit. Um, I'll try to. I'll finish this up. This is this is good stuff. I taught this years ago, and um, it's just it's something that never grows old with me. I think we need to have a better understanding of dominion power. What truly what it truly feels like to be delivered and what we have and what we are carrying when we when you teach a Bible study when you witness to somebody what you are carrying you're carrying in your in your heart coming out your mouth the power to set people free true power to set people at liberty true power to see people delivered it can happen through conviction through a testimony of the goodness of God, through the preaching of the Word, to the teaching of the Word, home Bible studies, it doesn't matter. It can happen. I've seen people break down in tears while I was sitting at their table teaching them a Bible study. I've seen people, you've heard me, I've seen people who, and one man had cancer and he was, he was dying and, and, and he was sitting over there and the entire Bible study, he was had his head back and was asleep. And I continued to teach because I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. I felt silly, but I continued to do it. I got done in an hour, and I started packing up to leave, and he raised his head up, and he said, You mean to tell me I need to be baptized in Jesus' name? i have never forget it. And I said, Yeah, that's what happened. He got baptized, got the Holy Ghost, died just a few weeks later. Just a few weeks later. So don't tell me it's not worth it. Don't tell me it's not. I don't care what you have to go through, what you have to endure. That was a soul that made it to heaven. That was a soul that made it to heaven. Let's stand.